film in front of a live studio audience. It's the Dice Breaker Podcast with your host, Matt Jarvis. I like that we've just become the well, it was the, ways, we the exactly. Podcast. It was the inevitable conclusion. <laughs> it's us. We're here for the nicest podcast on the internet. Uh, nice. Oh episode. <laughs> baby. Oh, uh, it? It's getting hot in here. <laughs> yeah. By Wheels, our very own Uh, I was. I would have said Rizzo the Rat, but. <laughs> <laughs> You're Kermit the Frog because you're hosting, surely. Yeah, but you've got the kind of show, like the show Matt, you're you're quite quiet, by the way. Can we can we turn your mic up a little bit? Me? Yeah. You're quiet. Quiet boy. Saying you're quiet. I'll try. I'm quiet as well. You are very quiet. What's going on? Hello. You're on. You're on max volume. Unless. I'm trying my best. You're. Is that better? Is that better for everyone? Oh wait, no, hold on. I see what the problem is here. Oh no. Say some more words, Matt. Hello, I'm... There we welcome, go. welcome to our very special guest star. <laughs> um... <laughs> um, Matt, you're Kermit. We already established this. Here we yeah. Go. Yeah, okay, we're Kermit. Are we on the level now? The yeah, we're all level, good. Sorry obviously. about cool. that. Sorry about that, yeah. everyone. Uh, it yeah, turned Matt... out that I still had the volume down from when I had lo-fi hip-hop playing over the top of our painting stream. <laughs> um, Matt is Kermit, Wills mm-hmm. is Rizzo the Rat, and I'm Gonzo. Yeah. We established okay, sure. this, yeah. yeah. Uh, either way, welcome. Uh, welcome back, Wills. Welcome, <laughs> Alex you. Meehan. Oh, hi, yeah, I'm Alex Meehan. <laughs> we'll get through these intros one day without immediately being sidelined into it's, something else. It's a feature of the podcast that yeah, you're never allowed to do a come real intro, now. you know? Yeah. Mm, yeah, indeed. Uh, we are, of course, here to chat about all things board games and tabletop RPGs and whatnot. And that, uh, yeah. and also in in celebration of this very special <laughs> occasion, our sixteenth nice podcast, uh, mm. we have our latest weekly game, which I think I think folks are going to enjoy. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, I think it's a good one. I've done uh, a lot of research for this one. I have no really no doubt of that. I, I just assumed you read these books all the time anyway, Mian, so... I mean, that's research. <laughs> it's just preliminary research. Like, I didn't know we were going to do this, but I kind of knew. Nathaniel well, Levy in the chat, by the way, says there's going to be fan art of Muppet <laughs> Dicebreaker soon, and I'm just like, don't threaten me with a good time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's fan art and not the other stuff that floats up on the internet. Tumblr, you know? yeah, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> It's episode 69, not episode 34. Right. Uh, let's well, talk about... Anyway, let's nice. talk about what we've been up to. Dicebreaker after dark. What you this week? Uh, Alex, me, and let's start with you. What have you been up to lately? What have you been playing? Hi. Uh, just a quick shout out to... Oh, please. I really apologise for this. John Moskowitz. John Moskowitz. I think I did that right. Yeah. Then uh, uh, a, a super chat. A very, very yeah. generous super chat, by the way. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you um, very much. And they say, hi, you've kept me so entertained the last year. Well, thank you very much. I hope to see you play Vampire the Masquerade soon. Oh, John. Now that <laughs> Renegade, <laughs> it's all going to have 69. Oh, John. Uh... <laughs> Bloody hell, John, let me tell you. <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade is arguably the sexiest 
oh, one of the sexiest mainline RPGs. Yeah, mainline. I was about to yeah. say mainline. <laughs> no, yeah, no. There's some pretty sexy RPGs. Yeah, oh. <laughs> when uh, when that collection um, Honey and Hot Wax exists uh, by Sharang Biswad, who mm-hmm. wrote for the the website. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the mainline RPGs, Vampire the Masquerade, is arguably the sexiest. But now that Renegade are kind of I, just, I, I always get confused with this. In in charge of publishing. Only. Yeah, they're, they're handling yeah. on behalf of Paradox, right? So, um... Yeah, um, yeah. Paradox Entertainment own the rights, but Renegade are kind of taking care of it at the moment. Thank God, because that RPG has had a bad past. But it seems like they are making some positive changes. So I don't think there's any better time for us to play Vampire the Masquerade, except for maybe in the Spooks. The the the, I mean, the, the October spooks. Halloween tis but, month. It's but two months since uh, till Spooktober, so yeah, Spooktober. Yeah, yeah. keep your ears to the ground. So uh, maybe we can fulfil that that uh, request. Mm. Anyway, what have I but, been doing? Yeah, less about yeah. what we will be and now <laughs> about what we have been playing. <laughs> oh, oh, Matt Jarvis, this week. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I did that. Um, no, uh... nobody ever knows why you do anything. <laughs> it's all for show. Um, uh, yeah, this week, um, tabletop wise, uh, my flatmate and I played uh, the latest expansion and first expansion for the game Fort, yeah. which uh, was my favourite game of last year. Um, I love it. Uh, it's a deck building game from Leader Games, who do uh, Root and other games that I can't remember. They're all four letters long. Um, yeah, Oath is, is the nearest one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fort vast. is a... Yeah, Vast. It's not our favourite. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about Vast here. Um, not anymore. Uh, yeah, no, Fort is a deck building game where you're like kids... And you're trying to do kid things, like have little gangs roaming the streets, I suppose, and have like macaroni sculptures and toys and stuff. Uh, and the newest expansion adds cats and dogs, or cats mm. and dogs. Cats and dogs. See, yeah. all I can hear when you say that is the insane clown posse being like, pet cats and dogs, <laughs> which is when they say it in the, uh, in the very scientifically based song, Miracles. Magnets. Is that the How one about? Work? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's the one with the line about magnets. Um, and I, I was yeah. thinking of the film. Uh, yes, cats and dogs. Yes, Will's. Oh, I was also Christopher Walken, right? Yeah, in which dogs are secret spy agents and uh, cats are evil geniuses. So I've got oh. a fun little story about that. <laughs> of course, of course you have. <laughs> Why did I bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear or not? <laughs> Do you not want to be entertained? (laughs) Are you not entertained? Um, Yeah. Uh, So uh, Wills and I are we're basically born around. We're born in the same year. I think Wills is slightly older than I am. Canonically, we're twins, but in actual fact, we're a a couple of months apart or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wills popped out, and then I waited a bit. Let's not talk about (laughs) popping out. I know this is the sixty-nine episode, but let's not talk about the specifics. Um, Anyway. It's all natural, it's fine. Um, no, uh, but that film, Cats and Dogs, came out, was it 2000? Was it like early 2000s? Uh, I don't know the exact. 
Was it Neither. after the millennium that feels? Two thousand and one. Yeah, a policy. I wasn't far <laughs> off. Um, Rated five point one out of ten on IMDb. That's, that's too way high. too high. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit. It's underrated, um, personally. Oh well, well. Um... Granted, I haven't watched it since two thousand and one, but <laughs> yeah. Um, being a child and loving animals, uh, as soon as I saw the trailer for that film, I was like, I want to see it. And that happened to come out about the same time as a, a little film called Shrek. Mm. <laughs> uh, you might know it. Um, and uh, my parents asked us because we were on holiday. Oh, children, which film do you want to go and watch? And of course, my answer to that was Cats and Dogs, please. And I I do, I will say, my parents uh, have gone through a lot. Uh, one, of, one of those big things I imagine is having to watch Cats and Dogs with me because, yeah, I've not watched that film probably since I was a child. But uh, I'm aware of how awful it probably was, um, considering the general sort of ethos around it. Of um, hey, kids are idiots. <laughs> that is that is the ethos of a lot of films. To be fair. A lot can of I, animated films. Yeah. Can I just quickly idiots. point out? So yeah. I, I'm on the IMDb page. Top yeah. build cast is absolutely wild. I know. Baldwin. Yeah. What? Toby Maguire. Jeff Goldblum and Elizabeth Perkins are the top build cast. Oh my god, that, is that, that was like peak Tobey Maguire time. In fairness, yeah. right? That's like that must be pr- just pre Spider Man. I think Spider Man one was like two thousand two or something. Yeah, I was sort of old enough to actually be watching films. So it must have been... films. <laughs> oh, you sorry, call... you were watching yeah. like Ingmar uh, Bergman. Kino. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, would, would you, you like to watch Cats and Dogs first? No, thank you. I'll watch The Seventh Seal. <laughs> Listen, a lot of people say film means high art and movie means schlock, but in actual fact, movie is just the American word for film. <laughs> yeah, don't quite understand that. But um, <laughs> I, I, really, nice. pre-Spider-Man is peak Tobey Maguire? I thought yeah, that I, he I only really peak with, 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 with Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Well, I thought that too, but I feel like Spider-Man was just... After, unless it was like 2000 maybe it was like turn of the millennium i i think i, I don't know. want to accept that sam raimi's spider-man was so long ago like any <laughs> any year i can claw back from my it, youth. it is a masterpiece uh any any film that gets to use willem dafoe to his full mm. capabilities is a masterpiece yeah that bit where life. they just turn into skeletons is was deeply traumatic as a child, but now is deeply hilarious as an adult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Cats and Dogs. Also, the sequel is called Pussy Galore, by the way. Is it really? I'm pretty sure it's called something what? like that. Is, wait, it's... is that the subtitle? Sorry, that uh... must be the subtitle, right? No, can't just it's, be the title. it's Cats and Dogs colon, The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Okay, I was close. <laughs> and then, of course, there is Cats and Dogs 3, the lowest rated of the of trilogy, at 3.7 stars out of 10. <laughs> Uh, Cats and Dog Three, Paws Unite. Paws Unite. That's Paws not even Unite. a pun. I, no, I'm assuming it's because the cats and the dogs are working together now. Because there seems oh. to be both mm. dogs and cats in a squad uh, on the on the picture. What? I know, Will right? Cats and dogs. I don't. Work mean, sorry, I don't mean to spoil a drop, but um, you know, <laughs> head to your head to your local <laughs> cinema to watch this. You know, <laughs> cats it and dogs. won't. It won't be playing at the cinema. I mean, mm. you can rent cinema screens, though, right? 
things are gonna get hairy. <laughs> yeah, someone put that in the chat. <laughs> Anyway, I used to have it on VHS as well. Yeah, I had on VHS. Yeah, I only watched it on VHS. I didn't see it this morning. Um, yeah, I, I, but I don't know where that, I don't know where that VHS went, and sometimes I wonder whether it was disposed of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like when they buried all those ET copies in the desert. <laughs> I, yeah, like I had a, I had the mask which was recorded off of yes. TV as you did with VHS tapes at the time. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, at some point, I'm relatively certain that my mum uh, just taped over it and then was like, "Oh, I don't know where it's gone." Yeah. Or like, they, oh, I'm sure it's around somewhere. Oops. Uh, but yeah. She so, wanted to be too much she of the mask. Freed from the freed oppression from, of cats yeah, and dogs, yeah. Of, of the mask. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the <laughs> cats and dog expansion for four <laughs> is pretty... <laughs> five minutes later. Yeah. Um, it's 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 fun. It's not anything revolutionary. Uh, it doesn't like really do anything to fundamentally alter the way you play the game. Like, is it just like a tiny deck? Like yeah. a tiny little pack, okay. Like a little little deck. Uh, there's actually quite a bit inside there, um, considering. Uh, you've got, so, you've got both cats and dogs, <gasps> in case the name didn't Working give together. away. Yes. Working together. And having yeah. fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Were you referencing Bob the Builder there? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Morrissey's Bob the Builder. Working together to get the job done. Okay. You do you remember there was that was chart topping wasn't there a the song? Yeah, yeah, wasn't there a No, there was an entire album. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. But Mumbo Bob the Builder's Honestly. Mumbo number five, I think, <laughs> topped the charts I'm sorry, at some point. I'm sorry, what, Mr. Jarvis? Huh? Bob the Bob Builder's Mumbo Bil- number five. Bob the Builder did a Mumbo number five cover. Yeah. Do you have oh, I spoken about I'm this before? You know Lou, Lou Bega of Maroon Five Fe- uh, not Maroon Five <laughs> Mumbo <laughs> number five Fe- <laughs> Imagine Lou Baker of Maroon Five. Lou Baker of, <laughs> of Mama Number Five Fame did uh, a posthumous collaboration with the Scatman. No, uh, it's wasn't it Scat, Scatman John was posthumous. I think I think Lou Baker is still alive. No, that's what I mean. Sorry, I mean oh, yeah. I see. So from Beyond the Grave, Scatman uh, collabs <laughs> with Lou Baker, the self-entitled Hatman, uh, <laughs> in which they sing Scatman and the Hatman. I need to look at this. It's very I good. put it in the Slack, so I'm I'm offended that you don't know it yet, Mia. But I'm sorry. When sorry? When did you put it in the Slack? <laughs> I don't know, but I so, can only assume some ago? kind of alarm bell went off and everyone had to watch it. <laughs> it's really good as well. It's Slack. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to be looking that up. Um. Anyway, also the idea of a Bob the Builder non uh oh God version of that song is a little bit disturbing to me considering the subject of that song is like (laughs) here are all the women i slept with yeah which it is episode 69 everyone remember so yeah yeah okay so do you want want me to run from like we're already off topic now (laughs) do you want me to run through the bob the builder album (laughs) the track listing of bob the builder colon the album from 2001 so same same year as cats and dogs oh wow Wow. seminal year can we fix it a yeah. seminal year in culture. That's yeah. open, opening with your most yeah. popular song is a bold yeah. move from Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, member number five. Yeah. Okay. Number three, Bob's line dance. <laughs> <laughs> number four, yeah. right tool for the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, five, let's get busy. So I feel like there's, oh, a, there's, there's, there's a trend uh, emerging 69, here. Yeah. Uh, six, what can I be? Uh, parentheses, Spud's song. 
Spud I don't was know what like Spud is. no Spud was the the one with the scooper. Right, the no, scooper. that's scoop, isn't it? Oh, that would explain <laughs> the it. scoop mucking dizzy. No, okay, I don't know. Maybe Spud was Spud the one who crushed things. I can't remember. Uh, well, we'll never oh, know. Seven. <gasps> Wait, seven was it the little cement mixer? Oh no, no, that's that must be dizzy. Oh, there you go. Uh, anyway, seven, carry on. Blonde-haired gal in a hard hat. Of parentheses, Wendy's song. Ooh. That's his wife, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe business partner? Anyway, eight is just called Dizzy. Uh, oh, that'll be Dizzy. Oh, that, no, that was no. the collab with Dizzy Rascal, now I remember. <laughs> um, uh, Super Spud, parentheses, Spud's dub. So, Spud's dub? Yeah, that must have been like the big, yeah, that was the big club hit. Everyone was dropping E to Super Spud, Spud's <laughs> dub. Dropping Spud, as we called it. In oh, dropping Spud doesn't Yeah, I mean, everybody's been the there. Chances. I haven't taken anything, but I'm convinced someone <laughs> Look, we've all been there. You're in a club toilet, someone comes in. You want any Spud? Spud, oh, Spud, 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 Spud. Yeah. Uh, uh, usually I get offered like lollipops and, and and perfume in the toilet. Yeah, no, it's it's the depends the what toilet I suppose. From a sink, that's the, uh, the yeah. Toilet. Is, um, right, okay. I just I just want a question from the US, the people in the US in uh-huh. the chat. Is it a thing in club toilets where there is someone selling like deodorant sprays, Ooh. like mm. you pay per spray? Uh, and like lollipops and and <laughs> perfume sprays. Was, I just want to know. Did they have? Did they have the little slogans in your? Yeah, no. Sp- oh, no spray, no lay. Say, yeah, no <laughs> spray, no lay was a popular one, but I won't say most of them because they were they were e- rude for even this episode. Come on, my friend, no spray, no lay. Would you like a spray? No, yeah, yeah, no spray, no lay. That was a popular one. Very anyway, uh, especially uh, the men's toilet where you know urinals are a thing. So he's just sort of talking at you whilst you're just having a whiz. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I've I have been offered cat multiple times while at a urinal. Just like I am. <laughs> Hey, no, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, Thanks everyone for watching, by the way. Dicebreaker Family Podcast. I have never gone to a club and been offered drugs. But maybe that that's just because the way I... <laughs> like, I don't think my mum's ever gone to a club and been offered drugs. How dare you? I don't look like a middle-aged woman, you know. Oh, I just, God. I don't know. I guess I have a, an aura about me. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, I'll finish. I'll wrap, I'll wrap oh, up this one. Okay, sorry. Okay. Oh, I've started we're going finish. back to that, are we? Okay. Ten, ten, no one can dig it like we do. Eleven, no prob Bob. And twelve, here's one for you, Wills. Crocodile Rock, Bob the Builder, and Elton John. <laughs> just the cover of Crocodile Rock, I guess. Wow. Excellent. Yeah, often associate Bob the Builder with crocodiles. So, yeah. anyway, they're not. So. Yeah, I'm gay. Um, right. Uh, yeah, uh, four. Four cats, cats and dogs. dogs. Um, <laughs> keep coming back that. here. It's like we're circling around. Um, okay. Yeah. In the game, uh, you've got dogs, and they just act like cards mm-hmm. that that you can get, like the kid cards. Uh, but um, they work a little bit differently in the sense that uh, unless you use them to either like you know how you can prop up cards that say this times this sweet, you know, to get stuff. So, like, you get this many pizzas per this type of card yes. that you play. So unless you do that or you manage to fulfill their requirements, um, 
they go into your yard and then you have to give them to an opponent. <laughs> Sorry for the for the listeners. Uh, the two the two boys are doing <laughs> making eyes. Um, yeah. Uh, so the dogs. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of cats. Scales. Yeah. Um, the dogs. Uh, so you can put the dogs in your dog house. By like having, oh, you you play this many cards alongside this dog and you get the benefit and then they go in your dog house and then you get points for having most dogs in your dog house. And then the cats are like, uh, if you have a certain number of kind of cards in your yard, the cats will sort of wander over to you and then you just get to use their a special effect like whenever whenever it's like, I think it says when you could use it. Um, so it's it's fun how they've kind of made the cards work a little bit like how cats and dogs work so mm-hmm. the dog will stay uh, loyal to you unless you don't you know like give them food and whatever and then the cats will just wander over to you and, and as they feel like it um, <laughs> yeah uh, that's about it to be honest like they add like a little bit of fun some extra ways to get points uh to the game but they don't like fundamentally change it mm. i will say probably the best thing about it is like the artwork is just like carl again it's carl yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> the there is a pug card and oh my goodness that pug i put it on the instagram <laughs> that pug is so cute like it's this adorable little lump and then there are the cat cards as well and i think there's one cat called scratch that oh. like has a special ability where it can destroy one of your opponent's cards <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed it. So that was four cats and dogs. Finally got through that. It only took us twenty six minutes <laughs> to talk about the first thing that one of us has played this week. Do, Luckily, mean, hello. Sorry. I was going to say, do you know how much it costs as a little pack? No, um, but okay. I can't imagine it's much. Like it's it the four itself is only like yeah, it's pretty reasonable, right? Yeah, yeah it's pretty I can imagine the I would I, I would oh. guesstimate six pounds. That was right. what I would guesstimate. Like. Um, anyway, uh, you could probably look that up. Uh, <laughs> other stuff I've been doing. Um, so, I've been watching a lot of Avatar, The Last Airbender, for the first time. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, so I, I initially watched the first two episodes a while ago and bounced off it because I was at an age where, like, some of the humor and, and stuff was kind of bouncing off me. And I was like, eh, this feels a bit kiddy. But then I I endeavoured to watch it once again and, and really give it some some effort because uh, Matt and I are looking to play uh, Avatar, uh, the RPG. I know it's not called that. It's called something else. Legends. Avatar Legends. There you yeah. go. Avatar Legends. Nice generic name there. Um, which is like the, the tabletop role-playing game based on both Avatar The Last Airbender and Korra. The Legend of Korra. Oh, you mean uh, the one that we're hoping to put a Let's Play out of on the channel? What? The very same. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt and I yeah, are part you, of... You were like, oh, I've been, you know, planning Avatar RPG. I was like, all oh, right, cool. Good to know that Mia's planning her character for the, for the game. <laughs> Wait, when are we doing that? Do a game at home. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> it's fine. I can just use the same character. <laughs> um, look, I uh, have a finite amount of time in my life. <laughs> a finite amount uh, of brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I think the character's pretty good. Uh, but yeah. Sorry, I I 
we are doing our own let's play on the channel at some point um uh but matt and i are also part of a of a separate game that we're doing with chase as well uh and my now old flatmate um uh yeah i made the terrible decision of watching the last episode of the first season today which is very emotional if people know what happened in that so uh and my flatmate moved out today uh after living with them for two years and i got a little bit a little bit sad yeah that's rough buddy yeah it was like i just, i was just like i texted them saying like i really shouldn't have watched why did i watch that episode <laughs> um but yeah if that's not an indication of the fact that i now really very much like avatar the last airbender i i've eaten through the first season it just gets a lot better yeah <laughs> like it... the first few episodes you're like oh, this feels a little bit like too much for for someone who's not a child but <laughs> then it gets much better and i have actually been laughing quite a lot uh, like all the all the abuse not abuse but the kind of jokes being like thrown at sucker is always funny because sucker is just like a, a perfect butt of the jokes uh general i is just the best character in the entire series. Uncle Iroh is, yeah, incredible. <laughs> He's just so good. Um, yeah, no, I have really been enjoying it, and uh, I will continue to watch it, and then I'll probably watch Korra. Uh, but yeah, Matt and I are doing Avatar RPG stuff. Shall we talk about that, Matt? Uh, I mean... Just about like like how we've been finding making a character. Like, yeah. I, it's a fun it's a fun experience we'll probably, so far. We'll probably talk about it quite a lot on the next week because we're planning to film it. This is true. Yeah, very coming, soon. Right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although, okay. Yeah. I mean, as is the way with the podcast, as soon as we speak it, it will fall through. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I yeah, have been having fun with the character creation system. It is <laughs> powered by the apocalypse, so yeah. it's fairly straightforward. But there's some really interesting stuff, even as someone who's only watched the first season of the show that like you're like oh that's really interesting how they translate that part of the show into making a character there yeah you go. it's uh, yeah and i think yeah like i agree with you like i haven't dug too deep yet because we're only in the starting stage but it's by magpie uh, who folks might remember from doing the root rpg mm-hmm. yep. which i think was also like a very good adaptation of yeah like it kind like, of got that world and the it did a lot of cool things as well like it used the actual board from the game to do yeah. like world building and all that kind of stuff like it was really interesting so yeah i'm, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see what this is like i'm not i'm not like a massive avatar fan i watched the first series of cora and didn't really get on with it that much um but yeah, I don't think it's a very good series. Uh, so, oh dear. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were a Cora person and not an Avatar person. That's or me. I, did I mishear you? Matt's the Cora person. Matt's the Cora. I mean, I like to be clear. I like both, but I I personally prefer Cora. Like, I prefer the kind of I, character arcs. I, I haven't watched past the first season, so if it like it might it might be that you know that's not a great uh, snapshot of it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I can see why people would. Because I mean, I bounced off it initially, but then I was like, "Let's give this another go." But um, I think it's surprisingly nuance is, I think, maybe going a bit too far. But it's surprisingly like for a kids' show, 
yeah it feels like there's a lot of love and effort put into this and like well i'm a big fan of world building and they do a lot of world building aspects uh and there's some interesting discussions of stuff like trauma and forgiveness and you know like growing you know that's what you know kids i think stories about growing like growing up like growing emotionally as a person i think those stories are obviously good for everyone but for kids especially i think they they do do a good job of it and yeah also apper is adorable apper is incredible yeah i love a big i just want a big cow a big <laughs> flying big cow, cow. I love cows. Um, also, Umbra says, "Did the flatmate turn into the moon?" No, they did not. <laughs> no, that's yeah. It felt like as well, very quickly from metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically, it felt like they turned into the moon. Yeah, we did get super chat for Cookie Cat ninety four as well. So thank you, Cookie Cat, for that. And they said, "Avoid the live action movie." Yeah, the M Night Shyamalan movie is. It's which not good. I have heard how awful it is. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've seen the i've not watched the countless youtube videos but i've seen enough thumbnails <laughs> to know that enough it ain't good. Is a good yeah good explain that. also m night Shyamalan just continues to create absolute rubbish including <laughs> apparently apparently his latest film which the premise of it immediately i rang alarm bells in my head of like this isn't gonna be good is it yeah. and it's such a shame because the actor in there i can't remember his name i think he plays the son of the family or something he's really good he was in um hereditary and he was such he was oh, so good yeah. in that film like oh, the, as in the main son in hereditary. yeah yeah no he's great he's so he puts on such a good performance in that mm. film uh so it's a shame that that he is now <laughs> chase has summed it up in a sentence <laughs> Old colon the beach that makes you. Old. Oh, is that yeah. where the beach stuff is from? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Um, okay. I oh, here's okay. So this will wrap up my segment probably about half an hour in. Um, <laughs> that tends to be uh, the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, yesterday I went to the cinema for the first time in like a year and a half. Oh, I don't know since all this nonsense began. Um, we went to a local independent cinema. Uh, in the hopes that there would be fewer people there uh, and also support your local independent businesses uh, and we went to see Black Widow uh, as like a final hurrah for the flat uh, I will get on to why Fort Wills no, but I, I did gonna say isn't there a whole Hello. thing about Scarlett Johansson like lawsuiting yeah. because it didn't <laughs> yeah, get actually release and yet you're it watching did. it in a cinema. <laughs> it's it's because it was simultaneously released on Disney Plus. So her her lawyer's point is that because her royalties are based on solely box office performance, that's been impacted by releasing right. it simultaneously on Disney any, Plus. Anything that shoves a fork inside yeah. Disney's eye is fine by me. To be honest, yeah, yeah it's, it it seems like a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's like okay. I think people should have the option to watch it at home if they don't feel safe going to a cinema. On the other hand, screw you, Disney. So yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult, you know, which which team, you don't need to pick sides. Anyway, when we were at the cinema, I did see a poster for Old. And yeah, it looks so, it's so bad. It's like someone sat there and I think they're, 
you can see both their legs and one leg is young and the mm. other leg is all wrinkly old and old beach. did they put um, one leg on the beach and leave the other one <laughs> it's funny going maybe they just swam in the water for too long and maybe. that's yeah, yeah you get wrinkly. i did um, i did read a spoiler thing just so because i'm not gonna watch it so no. I, I wanted to see what the stupid thing at the end would be <laughs> yeah oh there's of course there's a stupid thing at the end yeah. But um, if you want to watch beach movies, just watch The Beach. Mm. That's a good beach-based film. Anyway, Black Widow. <laughs> uh, there were multiple points. I won't say any spoilers or anything, but there were multiple points in that movie where <laughs> I looked over at Gwen and was chuckling. And then she was, uh, you know, they were my flatmate, my old flatmate. They were sat there, like, and they were looking at me <laughs> with this look in their face. I'm <laughs> just like... And for the audience who are listening, it's like it's like the look on someone's face who just kind of can't quite believe what they're what they're watching. Um, it's not a terrible film by any stretch of the imagination, and I've seen worse Marvel films. However, I mean, for if if, if you've seen four two, I can't imagine anything being possibly worse than that film. So about four two. No, no, not about the Look, let's do a movie podcast another time. Thirty-seven <laughs> minutes since we started this stream. It's got Tom Hiddleston in it. Oh, for goodness' sake! Um, no, so okay, so the Black Widow. The the main thing I'll just say is tonal dissonance <laughs> is an issue. Uh, the casting is amazing. Like, I love the casting so much. Florence Pugh is incredible. She yeah, I was about is to ask, so good. If you, if you say the the casting is amazing, do you mean it has Florence Pugh? In it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> not just Florence Pugh. It has Rachel Wise in it, who is also amazing. Um, but tonal dissonance is what I'm going to say. Also, there's a CGI pig, uh, Matt. Uh, we pass it over to me. I can go if you want. Yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah. We, we get to talk as well, Matt, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I had that Bob the Builder interlude, so it's fine. Yeah, uh, Matt had a whole Bob the Builder interlude. But you, what talk, I, you talk more than enough for all of us. What so. I'm going to chat about is, so like me and I've been planning Avatar with Chase, um, which I'm very excited for. I played a bit of Baldur's Gate 3, which I'm interested in so far. Like, I like Divinity. Ooh. I am honestly less fussed by D&D than I am Divinity. But yeah. I'm so, kind of interested to see what they do with that that kind of world. Uh, Matt, I don't um, know about you, but I just want to play Baldur's Gate for this for the sexy bit. Uh I mean that's yeah. they're in there. Yeah, well um, I will say, this is not really spoiler territory, but like <laughs> In Baldur's Gate 3, the the sexy bit is literally like a sort of, ah, you have reached the sex zone. Let's yes. see if you have filled out the sex checklist with any of the characters. Now, the these, characters, these characters, you have filled out the sex checklist. So if you would like to sex them, please press the sex oh, I've yeah. not got to the sexy zone yet, so this is new to me. Uh, like... So far, it's just been like the worm in eye zone, which is different to the sexy zone. Well, so, you know... <laughs> You know, in like a much any... less enjoyable zone. <laughs> yeah, you know, in like any Bioware RPG, it's like yeah. if you fulfil a certain threshold of friendship yeah. points with any character, you might be able to romance them. Mm. With like those games, usually it's it's quite sort of like melded into the bit. Yeah. And, you know, they'll be staggered out at different moments and based on like what quests you've been doing and stuff like that. With <laughs> with 
Baldur's Gate 3, it is literally like, right, well, we've reached the sexy zone, so it's, you want the sex now, or we need to go, so... Look, Will's efficiency, okay? We know what it's we're here for. Like, hmm, who should I, who should I sleep with tonight, no? Well, okay. let, let's just say this. I've only seen some trailer bits and some pictures of the characters, and I already know exactly which one. I've got my eye on, on is them. Is it the vampire? Yes, it is. Yeah. Terrible choice, but yeah. No, what? No, no, no. <laughs> Am I this predictable? Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> I obviously went for either the green dom or the cleric woman. <laughs> it's, it's all very obvious. Right, anyway. Matt! Uh, hello. Uh, yes, so anyway, I played that and intended for that to be a very brief mention on this podcast. Uh, I've also started playing Ace Attorney, which isn't a board game, but a board game I have been playing is Descent Legends of the Dark. Whoa! Uh, which whoa. I've alluded to multiple times this podcast because I couldn't speak about it until now because it was <laughs> under embargo. Um, and I, to be upfront, I haven't finished the campaign. I have played like a handful of uh, the scenarios so far. I've probably put about six or seven hours into it. Apparently the campaign is like 50 hours long. Um <laughs> For those who aren't familiar with it, it is like the new Descent game. So Descent, dungeon crawling series, relatively nuts and bolts fantasy. Uh, I have never cared about Terranoff. They've really, Fantasy Flight, which is the publisher of Descent, have really tried to make Terranoff a thing in the last five years. They put out an RPG book about it. They did a whole miniatures game about it. Books, it's just, books about it. Yeah, it's just never been interesting to me. But what I will say is that Legends of the Dark has me invested in, if not the world, like the world is interesting enough, but the characters in it, I do actually enjoy spending time with. Um, to be upfront, it is also an app game, so you need to use an app to play it, which is new for Descent. Uh, they put out a companion app for Journeys in the Dark, which is uh, the second edition came out like 2012, I think. Um, but it was optional. So that game, one person was basically the GM, like an overlord figure, and everybody else was working against them. Here, everybody's on the same side, playing against the app, a bit like Mansions of Madness or Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle-earth. I personally like app games. I don't think they're for everyone. I don't think they're for every game, but I generally like them. Uh, I don't think this is going to turn anyone around on app games. It is, mm. you know, it. I think it is, and I've written a whole article on this on the website, which you can read if you want some more kind of in-depth thoughts, but I think it is easily the best companion app I've used. It is really kind of visually impressive. Parts of it are like playing a visual novel game in terms of your picking dialogue options. You are like, there are events that just play out in the app that are just kind of like small narrative events in between your kind of big dungeon crawls. Um, you can craft weapons, like crafting things. Sometimes that gives you new physical cards. Sometimes it just adds kind of effects that happen in the background on the app. And it's really, I think it's a really good blend um, on the whole. And that, all of that digital uh, kind of stuff could then combines with the board game itself, uh, which is a great big cube. It's like a, it's like the size of a small footstool. Um, and half of it arrives empty, which was a surprise <laughs> when I took the top half off and the bottom was just empty. And I thought, oh no, uh, you know, they've sent the wrong thing. But that's because you build the 3D terrain that is included in the box and you store it in there. And there's a lot of 3D terrain. There are trees, like pedestals with books on, cauldrons. There's like a dragon skeleton. There are stairs because 
the tiles sit on different levels. You prop them up with columns. And when it's all set up, it is really impressive. Like it, it does look fantastic. I think the miniatures in the box, there are like a few dozen, I think maybe three dozen miniatures or so. So it's not full on kind of Kickstarter game in terms of just giving you hundreds of miniatures. But I think there are enough in there where there's plenty of variety and then the app will mix up those miniatures. So one miniature for a bandit could be like a normal bandit who will come in and kind of move in closer to you. Or they could be a bandit sniper, so they'll attack from like further away. Close um, to you. <laughs> some of them pop up as kind of mini bosses. They use the stuff in the box in a really clever way that really does feel like you get a lot out of what's in there. And and what's in there is a lot, but it, you know it could. It feels like they were clever with not just cramming the box full of hundreds of minis that you only use once and then move on to a different scenario. Um, and like I say, when when it's all set up, it really does come alive. Like you've got, uh, we've been playing with kind of the app in the background, so it's like almost a literal backdrop to it. But it plays music and it gives kind of narration and dialogue. And then you have the three D environments that you're actually moving around. You've got your character cards and dials. Uh, one of the new mechanics is you flip cards over, so you can change weapons which have different abilities. Uh, and you can also flip your character sheet over, and that's important because it clears. Another new mechanic, which is fatigue, which you place on your cards to pull off special attacks. So you can always do them. It's not like you have to build up tokens, then spend them. You put them on those cards in order to perform them. So you've always got that option. And then by spending an action, you flip it and take those off. So that then changes your action, but also clears you know, the fatigue you've built up. And it's a really, when it all comes together, it's just a very kind of satisfying click. It's not going to blow anyone away i think that's played a dungeon crawler in the last five years like if you played mansions of madness some of this will be familiar if you play journeys in middle earth it'll be familiar um but i think what it does is it takes a very kind of solid foundation and just like lifts it up through the fact that the app is very strong through the kind of game like the little gameplay additions through the presentation of the board itself and i'm just having a really good time with it that's it's basically, you know, I'm as burnt out on fancy dungeon crawlers as anyone else. Like, I'm like, I have a very low tolerance for kind of generic fancy. Like, say, Terran Off has always just seemed blandest of the bland kind of fantasy world. And for once, I'm kind of invested in seeing where these characters go and exploring the world and enjoying the right. Like, the writing is fine, it's not bad, it's not outstanding. But I think for a board game, it's absolutely on par. It's kind of similar to like Gloomhaven or Mansions or, you know, whatever you want to pick out. And I think like it's, it's enough to drive you through. And it's when all of these things come together that are kind of by themselves are like pretty solid or pretty good. But when they all come together, it's just a really good time that I'm having with it. Like I've been playing with my wife. We've been playing two players, but you can swap in and use multiple characters if you want. We've the the missions that you go on kind of encourage you to swap characters as well. You'll go on side quests for certain characters that will have narrative impacts. We actually failed a mission yesterday, um, and that it didn't restart us at the beginning. It actually triggered a different kind of set of side events related to the fact that we'd failed, and that character then had development in a different way. And I think that's where the app really shows its strengths because it would be massively unwieldy to have a book that you're 
searching for different entries through or a stack of cards that you're having to cross-reference against, oh, well, this person did this and this person did that. When it's all kind of handled silently in the app and it just springs up these kind of dialogue options or events, it's very slick. But it I don't think it detracts from the experience on the table itself. Like, it looks great. The combat is... You know, it's it's pretty standard. You move, you attack, you roll dice to resolve things, you put in your successes, you see what happens. But it is satisfying in a way that is just then raised by how good the app is. So yeah, I'm like I say, a, a full review will be coming once I've finished the enormous campaign. Uh it's worth saying that the box is not cheap. Um, so we were like sent a copy by Fancy Flight um to obviously check out for review, but I think it's $175. I don't know what that is in pounds, I would imagine. Thanks, Brexit. It's probably about 150 to 170 quid. And that's a serious chunk of money. Like, it, even compared to things like Gloomhaven, I think Gloomhaven was like 120 pounds when it came out. That's a serious amount of money. Like, this, it's not a cheap box at all. Um, and I, I think. I would buy it with, with multiple people. And yeah. Do the, and I the think actually. Together. That's the purpose of it. And in some ways, I think that's where it will thrive most because it does feel like, you know, People talk a lot about Gloomhaven as a kind of like D&D in a box. And Gloomhaven's combat is often so crunchy that it's not quite that. Like, I, I wouldn't invite friends who like D&D to play Gloomhaven and expect them to gel with it because it's a lot to take on board. This, I think, really finds that sweet point of, you know, it's, it's a proper board game. You roll dice, you do mechanics, you flip over cards. There are actual mechanics in there. But all the GMing, all the storytelling that's handled by the app does make it feel like more of a kind of RPG in a box thing. And I think actually, if you can get like four or five friends and you are able and willing to split that cost and it will give you like 50 hours of gameplay. And from what I've seen, like different things will happen if you play with different characters and have different outcomes. So there is a level of replayability there as well. It's not like you get to the end and that's that. So potentially there's more than 50 hours of content overall, you know, that's not to justify the price because I still think it, it's a lot, but I think it is as an experience. I am enjoying it to the point where I would be tempted to be like, you know what? I am enjoying this so much that for 50 hours of kind of a very good fun time with friends that doesn't involve a lot of investment because the app handles a lot of the rules and things like that is very slick. Like, I don't know if they're going to add DLC down the road like they did with Mansions, but maybe that also adds replayability. But I think there is a there's a solid case for, like, it feels like you're getting your money. It doesn't feel like they have just, you know, moved yeah. a decimal point in the, the price without putting things in the box or things in the app that justify that. But The difference here is that it feels like, even though the miniatures are, like, very high quality, it feels like... It doesn't feel like all that money has just been poured into high quality miniatures. Exactly. Yeah. That's I... the difference here. I think that that's <clears> the <throat> thing that really annoys me the most. Because like I don't know, to me, if you want to buy really high quality miniatures, you just buy high quality miniatures for like well, you go into wargaming, like, you know, like Yeah, like yeah. you're into wargaming. <laughs> that's what you buy. Like I feel I feel like the price tag of so many board games has shot up yeah. because just because they put really high quality miniatures in there. And then that's why it costs so much. And I suspect that a lot of the money here has been put into that app. But the difference here is that that app seems to do a lot of, of work for the game and like yeah. and adds a lot to the experience. So it kind of feels like the investment is worthwhile, at least that regard. Yeah. And 
and like don't get me wrong there are there are quite a few miniatures in there but it doesn't feel excessive if you know what i mean like there are i think like maybe four or five of each enemy type and then one for each of the characters i think there are six characters overall and they are good miniatures they i think they're probably the best miniatures fantasy flight has done they are much better than the mansions of madness miniatures which were not great um they were very bendy these are kind of slightly more brittle um and a bit more detailed and you don't have to plug them into a weird little hole that they then fall out of all the time but it's also like that 3d cardboard terrain it does make a difference like you get kickstarter games that have incredible looking miniatures no doubt but then you're just playing them on flat bits of cardboard and it just feels like like you say all the money went into miniatures but here it feels like they're kind of delivering across the board in terms of just pure presentation and i think ultimately that's what this is is it's not it's not revolutionary in terms of i think the app is very good like the app is is outstanding and from what i've played so far um but the gameplay itself isn't gonna blow you away if you've played like I say if you played any dungeon crawler i just think it's it's a very solid game that has like impeccable presentation mm. and kind of very very strong um yeah it just makes like a very strong impression i think that's really important in a game like this because to be honest you're mostly playing you're not really playing it for the mechanics so much you're mostly playing it for like the immersive experience you want to feel like oh yeah i care about these characters i'm traveling through this world oh i'm gonna go on this side quest and see what happens and it from what you said to me it feels like it it achieves those it's it to me it just kind of sounds like a single player kind of adventure slash rpg experience but like on a board yeah it, like, i think it really does like it, with with friends like yeah like there are points i was saying this just before we start the podcast and i said a bit of this in my article there are points where you do your dungeon crawl, and then in between missions, you go back to the city, which is all on the app. You can upgrade your weapons, you craft things using the materials that you've got. But there are also narrative events between characters, and they appear on the screen, and it basically becomes like a visual novel, and you're kind of picking little things. And that, like, it's not overwhelming. It's not like you're spending half an hour doing that. It's just kind of five-minute little things that really flesh out these characters. And as you travel to... The main scenarios where you will then set up the board and venture through and all of that kind of thing you will come across randomized events as you kind of dot your way across the map and it might just be as simple as like oh we found someone who was trapped down a well or we came across a cart that had been raided by you know, robbers <laughs> or something like that you know but again it just kind of it all comes together to make it feel very satisfying as kind of like a storytelling experience like you say like i think it's the kind of thing that people will want to sit down with with their friends once a week, you know, play a couple of hours. Each scenario is about a couple of hours, you know, with a with a little bit of sitting down at the start and the little bit of city management. It's probably about two and a half hours. It's not a huge ask. You, and then you just save, pack away. It's not like setup is pretty quick and like packing away is pretty quick. And I think that's where it will really find its kind of fighting point is with people hmm. who want an RPG but don't want any other prep. And I think it actually does deliver on that. Like it it is a really strong kind of um yeah like just a really strong kind of like storytelling adventure with a bit of combat and a bit of puzzle solving like cool. it's it's really fun um cool. but like i say i i am only part way into the campaign there will be a lot more to come there will be a full review so take everything i've said with a pinch of salt but so far i am excited and i didn't see me being excited for this because tearing off is so boring and has been so boring in the past but actually, this has kind of tipped me over into being like, yeah, you know what? I like these characters. I like this art style. I kind of like this world. Like, 
I guess I'm all in now. So show me what you've got, Descent. Sweet. All right. That's me, Wills. Quick. Oh, right. We're an hour in, so <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll talk for about five minutes, then we'll move on. Um, but I actually haven't been playing many tabletop games this week, which is handy because we don't have much time. But I have been reading through, and I will just preface this with um, just a slight editorial note that the graphic designer who worked on this book is someone that I've worked with on a personal project in the past. However, um, I've been reading through uh, a copy of What Waits Beneath by Nevin Holmes, um, which was sent to us in the office. It's an absolutely beautiful RPG. Uh, it's a solo journaling game about um, going down into the deep ocean, and it's just got some really, really well-purposed mm. art. Like, all of the art inside is, um, like, public domain uh, illustrations and, and things like that. And it's just... I think it's just... I really wanted to point it out because it's such a really good example of how um you know like rpgs on a budget if you know if you don't have many funds to make these kind of games there are so many resources out there now where like if you've if you're a smart graphic designer if you know someone who is like you can make some really really beautiful projects um and it's a really cool game as well it's uh it's one that i quite like the idea of because you're using playing cards uh to make this little map uh, and then using dice, it's sort of like, you know, you, you compare your dice result to the playing card that you're on and all that kind of stuff. And you're actually kind of like moving around a physical space, which is really interesting. So instead of just kind of like draw a card, here's your prompt, draw a card, here's your prompt. It's got a lot more sort of sense of presence and space, which is really interesting. Um, so I've just been reading through that. I haven't played it yet, but it's really lovely and it's, it's really nice. I just, I want it to just sit on my coffee table now because it's really pretty. <laughs> um, but in, uh, as far as actual games go, uh, apart from moving lots of furniture, we went out this week, and I really want to talk about this because I'm editing it today, and it's going to be a really good video. We went out this week, uh, myself, Lodis, and Liv, uh, and we were finally back in the studio, the whole video team, and we went and recorded us trying to beat the record time in a local escape room. Uh, so we played uh, a game called Dave of Judgment. Uh, it was... <laughs> It's like a sort of 1980s themed escape room. Uh, it's literally opposite the office as well, so it's really accessible. Um, mm. It's a really great escape room, really like looks lovely, all that kind of stuff, really interesting puzzles. Um, but we challenged ourselves for a brand new series that we're calling Dice Breakout, uh, <gasps> in which we go to an escape room and we have to beat the best time. Not only to the fact that you know we get the full hour and then we hope that we beat it, we get the exact amount of minutes that the best time is. So we went in and we had 26 minutes to try and oh finish God. this escape room. That's, That's fast. It is fast. So it is a tense video. There's a lot going It's really, really fun to watch. I won't spoil what happens, obviously, because you'll have to no. find out. Uh, but that video is going live tomorrow at 3 p.m. BST. And genuinely watch it. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really, really, really pleased with how it came out. Um, we, it was really fun to like film on location again, like, you know, like because we've been just sort of stuck in in flats in a studio for so long. It's really great to go out and do things. Um, but really amazing, yeah. Thank you to Bewilderbox for, for letting us come and film. Um, but that is what we've been doing this week. Uh, let's move on, Matt. Nice. Look at that. Perfectly on time. Yeah. Two minutes to spare. Thanks, Will. Let's move on to this week's news. Uh, as, as usual, we're kind of just giving a brief rundown. If you want the full kind of latest news, head over to dicebreaker.com, where we Do have it. many news stories, including many from one Chase Carter, a wonderful oh. news reporter, uh, who this week has been covering some of the ongoing kind of just struggles and just, yeah, yeah just it, it sounds like a really um, hard time for board game publishers and 
like creators in general as of late um due to the rising cost of shipping and just general shipping delays which have been caused by a multitude of reasons um some of this is coming out of the back of obviously COVID-19 pandemic um and everything shutting down and then everything starting back up again and every industry that produces physical goods needing to get those physical goods somewhere um so shipping containers have just kind of exploded in price um I think so. Chase Chase went and spoke to Lader Games, uh, who we mentioned earlier, of Fort and Root and Oath and Vast fame. Um, so, spoke to to some of the folks over there about just kind of the rising cost of shipping containers and the difficulties they've been having. Um, and yeah, it's I really recommend folks go and read this. Um, it's a li- it's a little bit more inside baseball than some folks might typically read, but I think it's a really interesting thing to know, particularly if you back. Kickstarters. So there's an example given in there of the Assassin's Creed board game Brotherhood of uh, Venice um, from uh, Triton Noir, um, which completed its Kickstarter successfully, uh, produced all the games, I think, in April of this year, kind of during the spring. And then as they went to send them out, this is where this shipping container shortage and like rising costs have hit. And they basically turned around and posted a very kind of frank and upfront post on the Kickstarter um tobacco saying we're really sorry but we're gonna have to ask you for a bit more money i think in fairness to Triton noir they they put the the figures in there they broke everything down and they said this is what we're going to pay of this chunk um but we're going to have to ask you to split it between all of you backers as well because it's it's serious money Mm. it's um i don't have the exact figures in front of me but i think it's gone from you know either single digit thousands or tens tens of thousands to get a container depending on the size up to i think the brotherhood of venice one is literally hundreds of thousands of dollars um, it's shot up to which for an industry like board games for an industry like hobby games yeah it's it's a huge cost that's a that's a cost that for some publishers you know they just won't be able to make ends meet you know board games like a lot of things from small creators work on very fine margins um and so the Cosmic Frog designer <clears throat> say that his shipping costs had increased 250% yeah. since March on Twitter. And it's yeah, yeah it's horrendous. Because like, as you say, this is an indie industry. So like prices like this, I mean, it's kind of, it's ironic that Kickstarter games have been getting bigger and bigger <clears throat> and bigger. So now we're at a state where, you know, you make a game with 400 miniatures in it. How the hell are you going to ship that? The amount of price that you have to pay per, per mm. um, box is just mad. It's, yeah, it's... It's really a dangerous spot for the industry. Yeah. Uh, so like that, I, I really recommend folks go and read Chase's like very kind of in-depth and very good yeah, uh, article on this. Really um, get into the, the real nitty-gritty yeah. of yeah, things. But, it wouldn't be very fun either. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And but kind of related to this, so it's not just small publishers that are being hit, but obviously they're, they're often being hit hardest. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, which makes Dungeons & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, um, owned by Hasbro. Hasbro had its latest kind of quarterly investor call or earnings call. And Hasbro also said that it's going to be raising the price of D&D and Magic um, later this year uh, to account for the rising cost of shipping. Um, but it, they haven't confirmed, so I, th- I believe Chase reached out to Hasbro Wizards of the Coast to, to try and find out exactly what that might look like for like consumers, for people buying those games. Um, and they haven't responded, but it seems like that cost will be passed on to the people that buy the games rather oh. than of course the publisher paying for that which when you uh this is this is me speaking personally rather than as a (laughs) dice breaker um but when you look at something like that and you've got a 
must uh, Hasbro must be a billion dollar company, if not multi multi millions. Um, but when you've got a publisher like Lader, which is working on much smaller margins with much smaller amounts of money and and people, and they are, you know, e eating some of that cost just out of their own pocket, versus a company like Hasbro, which that I'm sure it's a lot of money, but uh, Hasbro, it's probably pocket change or the equivalent. Mm. Um, so for them to just kind of turn around and foist it seemingly upon consumers is, yeah, yeah just uh, it's, it's, hey, that's capitalism, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, capitalism. It's working as intended. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and this obviously follows uh, record levels of popularity for both D&D &D and Magic, as Hasbro has been very keen to point out. Uh, over the last few years. Yeah, so they're, they're bigger huh? than ever, and yeah, they're going to be more expensive than ever. It seems. If you're sick of the omnipresence of D&D uh, &D and Magic the Gathering, why not watch one of the latest videos that you went out on Dicebreaker's <laughs> YouTube, based on an article on Dicebreaker.com, about how uh, the uh, industry in Japan actually <clears throat> doesn't have D&D &D as its most popular Western RPG. It's actually someone else, so go and have a, go and have a look at that. Yeah, watch it. <laughs> Get to watch the video. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, like we're we're only skimming the surface here. It's obviously it's a complicated situation across the board. It's affecting a lot of publishers, not just the ones we've named. Um, but I would really recommend folks go and read Chase's like very good reporting on both of those stories, hmm. uh, which you can find on the website. But it, it's something to be aware of. You know, if you start seeing board games costing more in your local friendly retailer, there's a good chance that it's not it's not their fault. Definitely, you know, it's yeah. they're just trying to to make ends meet like everybody else. Um, they are being stung as as badly as the publishers, as badly as the consumers as well. So, you know, it's it's just something to be aware of if you're buying board games. Is how uh, it's not all about what's in the box sometimes. It's getting right. it there. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, in terms of other news on the website, I'll probably I'll quickly scan through some of this stuff. Um, there's a new Happy Salmon coming, uh, which I point out because Dicebreaker loves Happy Salmon. If you yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to be really upset if they get rid of the salmon bag packaging. I don't, mm. I don't want them to try and modernize it. I want it to look just as goofy and stupid as it always does. Yeah, so this is an intriguing one because it's been bought by Exploding Kittens, the company behind oh. the card game of the same name. Uh, it's the first game they've picked up that is not kind of developed or released internally before. So yeah, I Happy Salmon. We've been no, we've not been quiet about how much we love Happy Salmon. Um, but they have they've described the new Happy Salmon as having an exploding kitten's twist, I think is the phrase oh, they used. God. Uh, <laughs> later this year. So, <laughs> so who knows? Are they just gonna are they just gonna give it oatmeal? They're artwork? Just, yeah, that that's gonna what's go? gonna happen. They're gonna have the fit they're gonna have <clears throat> they're gonna have the salmon be sticking out rainbows and stuff, I guarantee it. That's their thing. Do you remember anyway. when made that big comic about how much he loves the Tesla company? I don't, because I don't read the email. Uh, so, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's coming out later this year, and we'll see. But they have have they have confirmed that Happy Salmon original will remain. Oh, good. Sorry, Aaron Winmay in chat just said, row is me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very good. good. That really got me. That's very good. Thank you, Aaron. Oh, my God. Uh, right. Also coming up, uh, not this year, next spring, I believe, me and you wrote this story about the new Cryptid. Yeah, April 2022. Mm. There's a new Cryptid game coming. It's where you someone plays as the monster and then I will play 
is being the person who wants to find the monster and it's in a sea and I think there's a Mothman involved. Ooh. So that's, cool. that's yep. Get hype. Yeah. Quanchai Quan Chi- Moira does the, the art and I love I love their work. They're yeah, very yeah. good. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's some stuff. Uh also coming is a new Dune game uh, Dune? later this year from uh Don Eskridge, who you probably know as the creator of The Resistance and Avalon. Mm. And like those games, Dune Betrayal will be a social deduction game. Who would have thought? Oh, um, so I believe you're either House Atreides nobles or your House Harkonnen secret agents. And you're trying to basically take each other out, but you don't know who among you is who. Uh, uh, Matt, which one? one we know. Uh, do you get to play as Sting or not? Um, I can't remember who Sting plays in the David Lynch film. Is uh, he, he a Harkonnen? Some... I assume he's a Harkonnen. He, he plays someone in a <laughs> He's up to bad business. He's... I, I don't Perry's know who he like... plays, but I'll tell you something. He definitely <laughs> drinks his own piss. because that's <laughs> He probably tells the galaxy about how much he loves tantric sex. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's on the way from Gale Force Nine, which is the uh, <laughs> studio that re-released the kind of classic Dune game, and mm. also has, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Of it. It's like Dune: A Conquest of Diplomacy and something else, um, it, but it's basically a shorter version of the old Dune game. So Dune, going, okay. a keyword of keyword keywords. <laughs> they're all going in on Dune, 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 whatever. Who cares? Uh, but they'll be out this October ahead of the Denis Villeneuve uh, movie, which I'm intrigued to yeah, see. It seems I to have the same color palette as Blade Runner 2049. Oh, right. No, yeah. No, it doesn't. It's just set in a desert. I saw loads of tweets like that, and I was like, it's just set in a desert. <laughs> Every sci-fi okay. film has to be set in a desert. <laughs> if, it's, if it's as good as... Blade Runner 2049, I'm happy. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's all I want. Yeah. Also, it's called June. <laughs> Did you, you think expect, it was going to be need... purple? Like <laughs> <laughs> you need to expect beige. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> beige. Uh, finally, uh, not a new story, but me and you wrote a guide to clerics on the site. Yeah, uh, I wrote to a guide to your favourite clerics. More boss. Uh, le- no, the, the guide <laughs> just says don't do what Matt Jarvis did. Yeah, don't... <laughs> don't put all your points into everything but wisdom. It's it's <laughs> one sentence that just says don't do what Matt Jarvis did. No, it's more than one sentence. Boy, is it more than one sentence? Yeah, this is another entry in our continued series of D D character creation guides. So if you want to make a cleric in D D five E, then just go on a website. And go to how to plays and it's right there and it guides you through everything and there's yeah. just a little sprinkle of personality a little sprinkle of humor there. just a just a tiny sprinkle i mean yeah. it, look i i feel at liberty to say that liv recently did a very good video on choosing tieflings and like yeah. how to how to pick a tiefling and you've just just done a guide on clerics but i like honestly it has nothing to do with the fact that i played as tiefling cleric <laughs> i didn't even put those two together <laughs> But if you do want to make Ooh. a different cleric like I did uh, and do a better job of it, you can go yeah, and check both of those out. that video good. and then read my guide and then you can make a tiefling cleric. If you'd like to avoid at least two or three comments on every Dungeon Breaker video telling you or asking you if you've what calculated wisdom story. correctly, uh, you can go and read that guide and do it, mm. do it right. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on to this week's segment. I almost Blimey. said sexy segment because I've written in this Blimey. document... Blimey. Stupid sexy board games. (laughs) Stupid sexy board games. So this was this was actually, I believe, 
which was based on an idea from Lolis. But yeah. then yes, it, a, it got thrown into the icebreaker <laughs> blender. <laughs> mm. And out the top of it, we now have uh, a little mini game where we have each written a blurb for an erotic novel. <laughs> How, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a yeah. steamy novel. You know, there's yeah. no, there's nothing that explicit the, in it. The kind of thing you would pick up in uh, news agents if you were yeah. passing through an airport yeah. and you just wanted something to read on the plane. It might have a picture of a, a well-oiled six-pack yeah. on the front, you know? Like, it's that yeah. kind of novel. But a six-pack of board games in this case, just... <laughs> yeah, because for episode 69... The uh, the gimmick is this book. This book is set in the universe of a board game, a popular board game, and it's up to everyone else listening to try and figure out what that board game is. Mm. Um, so um, I guess, well, I've, I've just explained this, so I guess I'll go first. We've, we've, yeah, we've yeah. written one each. I think yeah. how we should do this is I'm yeah. going to read it sentence by sentence and give enough pause. And you can make guesses in between the full stops. No, no, I no, want the I think whole you experience. Do the whole thing, yeah. well, I want the full experience. No. Well, no, because as you blurb. go through, no, no it. No. I'm still going to read the whole thing, but as you go through, it gets more and more obvious. So I feel like you should get points for guessing early. You know. No. Uh, EA one two two says so. It's a Wills and Boone offering. <laughs> well, which is very will, good. I will say I don't care about points. Okay, fine. All right, are we ready? I, yeah. I want to have fun, and I want you to give us the full experience of what this book is, including afterwards. I want you to tell us what you think the cover looks like. As well. Oh yeah, okay. okay, that's a good, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right, okay. Are we ready? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Bill's days amongst the hot fields are usually a mucky and sweaty affair. He's been tending to his stock since he took over his father's business, and whilst it isn't glamorous work, someone has to do it. Bill never really wanted for much. That is, until a strapping young man from Kansas City, with a silver tongue and a set of piercing blue eyes, casts his spell on him in a chance encounter at the local saloon. A few <gasps> steamy encounters with city slicker David has got Bill's head spinning, and now all he can imagine is a future with this handsome stranger. But just as Bill decides to make his move, David drops the news that he has to return to Kansas City for good. Bill is faced with a sudden choice. Say goodbye to a chance at love, or uproot his life and travel the long road to Kansas with cattle in tow. Whatever happens, there's sure to be some interesting encounters for these smitten strangers on... Great Western Trail. Thank yeah, you it's much. Great Western Trail. <laughs> the Great Western Trail That's by Alexander good. Fister. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got it as you were like talking about, oh, they have to go back to Kansas. Yeah, the Kansas City <laughs> bit. Uh, Wills, what does this <clears throat> book cover look like? Okay, so um, the, <laughs> at, what, at what point do you think like you got it? Was it Kansas? Was Kansas the thing? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah? Okay, all right. So... Uh, I'm imagining uh, we've, you know, we've got the cattle sort of like moving oh, along the rocky there, path. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In the in like the background, and then imagine, you know, one of those like uh, Oregon Trail style covered wagons, mm. Um, mm. and it's like it's hot, the sun's blaring. Oh, yeah, two shirtless muscular men. Oh yeah, are, like holding onto the horses that are maybe rearing up a bit. 
where they're like casting a glance at each other. <laughs> um, uh, I will okay. just say, by the way, our concurrent viewers have absolutely fallen off a cliff. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if something technical happened or if people just not into this. <laughs> Be into it. Oh, um, God. Yeah. No, that sounds good. I'd read it. Good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Uh, who wants to go next? Me and you, you go. I go next, okay. I want to see how quickly that you, you not get this one. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing already. Oh, the views are back up. I think we just had a, a little weird spike thing. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm laughing already. So, <laughs> just give me an idea. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> Zara Bits Tickle was just this. <laughs> Small town country lass <laughs> living on the planet XEX2 night as a humble space cow farmer when suddenly she finds herself swept up in a war of galactic proportions. Recruited by the enigmatic, sorry, enigmatic, but incredibly handsome General Frobs McTouching <laughs> as an... <laughs> As an undercover agent for the Planetary Secret Service, Zara must travel to the rival planet HOT 69 later <laughs> under the guide, uh, uh, sorry, under the guise of a simple inter interstellar farming diplomat charged with gaining access to the government's warfare plans. Not only will Zara have to brave the heady dangers of infiltration, but she will have to also have to control her intense attraction towards the also enigmatic and incredibly handsome Lieutenant Bulge Swetson, <laughs> a sworn enemy of a planet's leader. And who could that mysterious, sultry woman she's seen making many eyes at her from across the council table possibly be? More importantly, what does she want? Will the war end? Will Zara survive her mission? Will sexy times ever happen? Well, yes, yes, they will. There you go. Wow. Twilight Imperium? No. Is it? Oh, I've got you now. Cosmic Ooh. Encounter? Yes, it is. Oh. It's it, Matt, it's Cosmic Encounters. Oh. Do you get that? Encounters of a cosmic kind. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you like my puns? Oh. I wasn't what... watching you. I was just listening. Yeah, as... Um... <laughs> <laughs> As uh, Throbs McTouching came out, <laughs> um, I lost it a little bit. So the cover of it, I'm imagining, is obviously like a, a galactic background. I want this to be like a painting. This isn't like a photo. Uh, and there's a woman there, mm -hmm. and she's wearing a space a space styled dress. With a very low cut. Oh, a space style dress. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, describe a space style dress. Like metallic, like it's metallic. Do you mean like the Jetsons? Like, like, uh, like, um, Clone Wars. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> like Star Wars Episode Two: The Clone Wars. I don't know. Like, like Natalie Natalie Portman, right? Uh, low cut metallic dress, and she has a heaving bosom. Got it. Uh, heaving bosoms, uh, and uh, there are there's a 
two alien hot alien men behind behind her looking stoic and a, a lady right behind her back and so they're surrounding her and she's just like falling into them how humanoid are the aliens are they just like a muscular man that has been turned purple in photoshop or are we talking no, like no. I want, actual I, I, high level I would monster want these, yeah, yeah oh yeah <laughs> i want i want them to be like humanoid enough so that it could work but like <laughs> Not boring. Like, there's some... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we don't like... want any logistical problems in this novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the the woman, the woman alien, has loads of eyes because that was a joke. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's my erotic. Very novel. strong. <laughs> Expect it in uh, spring 2020. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say we're we're kind of like. I feel like we should have put me in last because I feel like yeah. that was the most erotic one that we're going to get. Yeah. What did you expect? Well, look, this, I, is yeah. a, this is a woman who regularly reads this kind of stuff <laughs> alongside the classics, sometimes on like a palate cleanser of trash. It says so much. I Mine is very like smart free. I've gone with just kind of like Matt. romantic <laughs> fiction. I feel like it's... You're too sweet and innocent. Look, we've, we've hit the peak and now we're tailing off with a nice kind of like... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. A cup of tea. <laughs> All right. Yeah. A cup of tea afterwards. Mine's also very short. I didn't realise that you were going so long with these. A post-quarters uh, cuppa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want me to... Do you want me to... Go, go, Matt. A Japanese illustrator crosses the Pacific Ocean in search of fame and fortune. What they didn't expect to find in the Big Apple was love. But their <laughs> blossoming relationship and career is suddenly thrown into question when their acclaimed artwork faces accusations of plagiarism. Will their dreams of becoming an international talent be left in tatters over the uh, career-ending claims I of counterfeiting? Yeah. How will they earn back the respect and trust of their peers? And, most importantly, can they prove their love is as true as their talent? A fake, fake artist, artist in New goes York. To New York. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Very good. Yeah. Well, one criticism... Uh, where's where's, where's the all sex, the love? Yeah, where's the, the romance the the and sex? Yeah, and it's a romantic thriller. This one's getting left on the shelves, I'm afraid, mate. Yeah, I picked it up. <laughs> okay, we'll call oh. them like uh, like naked McDrawens, and I don't know. Like, <laughs> here's how I'm seeing. You're right. You're in the WH Smiths, right? The, tra- okay. the travel WH Smiths that's in like a yeah. It's in one of those um, like food court areas. Yeah. <laughs> It's right next to like a, a, a McDonald's or something. Mm. Um, yeah, right next to the, the, the most romantic location. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, McDonald's. You, wa- you walk in and you see mm-hmm. so my, my book is like eye level because yeah. it's pretty you know, it's pretty pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's you know, it's in the romantic erotic section. Yeah, yeah. The, Mian's is like top shelf. Yeah, it's got sold like in a, a brown bag. It's got a black cover over it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just got the name written on a tag. No. Is it is it top top shelf because it's so good? No, it's top shelf to avoid the no. eye line of children. No, um <laughs> and, Wills. Then, and then Matt's no, is Wills. like Matt's is like trodden into the carpet. <laughs> no, uh you misunderstand me, Wills. Mine's not even in the physical book section. Mine is on the Kindle store for 50p. <laughs> Yours is only available for 69p on Amazon. Yeah, because yeah. it's the kind of one, like, you know, that you don't want other people to know. 
<laughs> no, I think I think Matt's is Matt's is for like the the older the older more discerning yeah. audience, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wills. No, yeah, no, no. I think I think you're going for that sort of like you know silver fox I, kind of territory. Well, like, I was, yeah, oh, I was thinking smut. like no, no, I read romantic yeah. novels, that kind of thing, you know. A- Aaron I, says topless shelf. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Cookie Cat ninety four says Wills and me and went with smart and Matt went with a hallmark movie. <laughs> Yeah, that checks out. Legitimately, it is. <laughs> I thought that was. I thought that was more what we were going Look, for. Matt, you need. I'm going to send you some books. I, to I educate you. Please don't. Do not send them on the work Slack. I don't need to be locked out of my. I love how many HR infringements we get on this podcast. <laughs> no, send them in a box. <laughs> Marked. Do not open. We've got. We have but five minutes left. Uh, shall we uh, shall we read this question that we've got from Baron Breakfast? Yeah, let's get some questions. And if folks want to send in their own questions, you can either drop them in the chat when we're live each week, or you Whoop. can email podcast at dicebreaker.com. Email. There it is. There it is. <laughs> or, hey, drop them on Twitter at John yeah, Dicebreaker. Get in touch, whatever. Yeah, whichever Smoke way you prefer. Signal. Yeah. Uh, Send us a box full of books. Carrier pigeon. carrying in the back yeah. of, a, of a wagon. Brown bagged. <laughs> Erotic thriller. Brown uh, <laughs> bag erotic thriller. Uh, all right. Wills, would you like to read this one from Baron Breakfast? Absolutely. Baron Breakfast asks, what board game would you like to be adapted into a film? What's the plot and who stars? Well, I would like the plot <gasps> right. of the Great Western Trail. <laughs> <laughs> what board game? Who would star in that? Who would star in that, Wills? In oh well, I mean, it, yeah. I feel like we'd be tapping into the uh, the Brobat Mountain kind of uh, mm. pool. Yeah, pool there. So I feel like I feel like it's kind of done, you know. It's Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, and Oscar Isaac. It's and Oscar. Wow, give us a nutty professor. And it's it's also um, Robert Pattinson is. Yes, yeah, that's an excellent. He's the oh yeah, uh, yeah, and he's you know he's like a sort of handsome twink energy. Uh, and that's yeah, that's the kind of vibe that we go for that. But as far as like actual, <laughs> actual four games into into film adaptions, whew, what do you reckon? Oh, I don't know. There's been some bad ones. I mean, Battleship. Oh god, um, with Rihanna. With Rihanna. Yeah. There's a super a super YouTube video of every time Rihanna says, "Hey, look a battleship" or something along those lines. <laughs> you suck my battleship. It's, yeah. it's a lot. There's a lot of those lines in that movie, and that's not Rihanna's fault. Don't get me wrong; like, no, that is the no. that is no. the script's fault. Yeah, but it is yeah abysmal. Uh, okay, here's one. Uh, okay, so uh, the the recent Jumanji films are mm-hmm. actually quite good. Yeah, they're good fun. Um, particularly when Aquafina gets to pretend to be Danny DeVito. Mm. Uh, that's ama- amazing. <laughs> um, so I reckon something something sort of similar like that, maybe. Um, Maybe escape the curse of the temple. Something Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. So like a, a classic adventure uh, story where this group of 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 motley this motley crew of mismatched individuals find themselves on an adventure to go into a temple uh, and find this this treasure. But oh no! Oh, it turns out that the temple is cursed. And they have to get out before they get locked in forever. So I'm imagining like a modern day The Mummy, basically. Mm. Or so Indiana get... Jones, but not racist. Yeah, well, yeah Indiana I mean, Jones, but not racist. It's kind of full circle, right? Because I think that game was inspired by Indiana Jones. So 
and now, yeah, exactly. and now a, a movie that's inspired by that. Yeah, yeah, and the casting would be Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Bring him back. Bring him back. Glorious return. Yeah, Brendan Fraser, Rachel Danny Weiss, DeVito. Danny DeVito. Obviously, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Favorites. I think it's, it's a rule that whatever film we do make out of a board yeah. game, it has Danny DeVito. Has Danny, uh, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, and Toby Maguire. Tom Hiddleston, Toby Maguire, Tom uh, Hiddleston, Florence. but specifically as Tom Hiddleston from that advert where he's selling like health supplements. Yes, oh, he's God. Like, I yes. made this dinner for you. Um, Hi. Welcome home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Florence Pugh, Tessa Thompson, Eva Green. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Have you just named all your favorite actors? No. <laughs> Matt. Matt. Um, I think there would be, I think in terms of like board games that have actual lore that I'm interested in, I think the Arkham Horror Files stuff would be interesting yeah. because that would be Lovecraft, but detached from a lot of the very problematic stuff about Lovecraft. Got, yeah. I need to watch Lovecraft County actually. That's, I've been meaning yes, to. Yes, I have it here. Go. Yeah. So which but, one specifically, Matt, were you thinking Mansions Madness? Or, well, I think or Mansions horror? is too contained in some ways. Like, maybe that'd make a good haunted house movie, but I think, like, Eldritch Horror has, yeah. like, the scale of a good, like, rompy action blockbuster, right? Or could, or maybe, like, Cthulhu Death May Die, but again, I think that's too, it's not detached enough Yeah. from, from some of the Lovecraft stuff. I think one of the things I appreciate about Arkham Horror Files is they just come up with their own characters, they use some of the monsters from the mythos, but they yep. really do just kind of sever as many ties as they can. Oh, there he is. Um, there I'd, he is. I'd love to see a Comet film. Like, big war movie, but set in a mythical ancient Egypt. Yeah. Like, mm. also, isn't fantastic. that just Gods of Egypt? Yeah, yeah no, but... but a good one. <laughs> yeah. Gods of... Matt, it's Gods of Egypt, but... <laughs> But um, but they didn't don't just have... use autocomplete to write the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, who plays? Give me a second. I need to remember who plays. Um... Is that the one with Kit Harrington? No, Kit Harrington is in no. Pompeii, which is better He's than it Pompeii. seems. Pompeii yeah, is very yeah. stupid, but I need to because there's there's a guy who plays <laughs> like there's a guy in it. Oh, isn't it? Thing like Jamie Lannister, the guy that plays Jamie Lannister. No, no, He's no. In it. Oh right, no. Okay, it's Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> of course it is. Jeffrey Rush is raw, and at one point he's he's shooting an eye beam. Right, yeah. Into a giant worm to stop <laughs> it from eating the world. Uh, so that should give you an idea of what Gods of Egypt is like. But yeah, like Kemet, but with like actual Egyptian people in the role. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Jeffrey Rush with an eye beam. <laughs> <laughs> However, we can keep the eye beams. We'll keep the eye oh, beams in. Danny DeVito will also be in. Obviously, it. Danny DeVito plays um, uh, Foth. Has <laughs> 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 a bird head. Yes! Uh, I can oh see it. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. Are you. So, now I'm imagining Danny DeVito's head on top of a bird. I, it's the other way around, but I mean, we can make it work. <laughs> You've got to have the head. Yeah. I, I wanted to see a normal, a relatively normal sized bird, but with Danny DeVito's head on it. With, yeah. with Danny DeVito's human sized head. Yes. And a beak, so but with like strings. No, like... no, no beak. Just Danny No, yeah, but like a beak head. mask. Like a. Yeah, like, like very clearly not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where would Danny DeVito be in your film, Matt? 
um, in Arkham Horror or Eldritch yeah. Horror. He would be one of the monsters. No, I think that's too. That's too straight. I think he's got to be. He's the loose cannon, right? Like he's <laughs> he is so anyway, part of the investigative group. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's where he fits in there. I feel like the the villains would need to be. I mean, they'd just be big CGI fest things. It'd be like uh, Cloverfield, but it would be Willem Dafoe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, just revise Willem Dafoe. Yeah, just have a big Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsborough. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would say Willem Dafoe is scary enough to be to be an Eldritch kind of. Horror. Yeah, you kind of amp it he, up a bit. He could be your kind of like cult leader, right? It's like, oh, oh my gosh, yes, he would work really well yeah. with a cult I will, leader. I will say that in my Great Western Trail film, Danny DeVito mm. voices all of the all of the cattle. <laughs> um, he's not playing the cow; he's just the voice actor for every single member of the cattle. Oh, so what the cattle do just go moo, but he does all the moos. No, 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 they speak in human. Oh, tongue. okay, okay. <laughs> much speak... like a Disney live action remake film. Um, yeah, but Danny DeVito is playing all of the characters. For some, okay. I can see Danny DeVito playing a character known as Stench Cow to refer <laughs> to a previous podcast. I just want to be pure. Uh, right? Okay. <laughs> thank you, Farron Breakfast, for a very good question. Yeah, we've got some some. Yeah, should we do quick some quick ones? ones? Yeah. Uh, Miam, would you like to read this one from Laura, please? Whoa! Let me get the podcast. Whoa! You were so surprised by. Yeah. One more question. Sorry. Uh, Laura says, uh, is Camelot able to be played by someone who isn't fluent in English thinking about getting it as a gift? I'd say yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all iconography, like isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's all so, symbolism yeah. And, and obviously the rules. Symbolism. <laughs> I don't know. It's very, like, you know, there's Symbolic. a lot of underlying meaning. In a yeah. Are we, um, you know, are we the, the camels? Are we the camels? That is the mm. big question, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely the camel that goes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's relatively language independent. Like, I don't think any of the cards have words on, right? It's just coins and camel meeple yeah, yeah. images. And so. dice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say you could do it if you could find a rule book. I don't or... think people realise, like, the reason why games like that have just symbols everywhere and no text is because it means you only have to localize the rule book. Like yeah. it's, yeah, it, it makes it a lot easier for, for people to play across. It's more accessible in general. I will say like, just swing back around on descent. One of the things I appreciated is they have tokens to mark like separate. So same miniatures, but different things in the app mm -hmm. and they are different colors. So like teal and orange and stuff like that, but they also have notches in to make them colorblind friendly. Sweet which I appreciate, and it's pointed out in the rule book as well, so it's not just like something they include and don't mention. Hmm. Yeah, um, good. More accessibility, please. Yeah. Toto uh, says more accessibility. Toto said this is a message ah. from Toto. Oh, there <laughs> there is. Go. oh, God. More accessibility. Yeah. He <laughs> definitely said that. Uh, all right, let's do this last one from Huli X Angel. Have you ever heard of a little game called Lasers and Feelings? Yes, we have. Why, yes, we have. Yes, I believe we have a Let's Play on the channel, right? Yeah. We, yeah. Uh, we did one with the cast of Oxtra, uh, or Outside Xbox, rather, not Oxtra. Um, and John Harper is a, a friend of the channel. Very nice man who uh, we've done a few Let's Plays with. We did Aegon as well. Um, mm. And we've done loads of Blaze in the Dark. So, yeah, check them out. Yeah, yeah. It's great yeah play it. It's very easy to learn. I feel like that was a question that was directed specifically to a comment that we made part of the podcast, but that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Look, we've got a swing round on it sometime, but yeah. you just 
take them as they come. Mm-hmm. But that's all we've got time for this week on the Just yeah. Podcast. We'll be back you next are now, Friday. You are now leaving the sex, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't need yeah, paperwork so at half three on a Friday. We'll, we'll go back to uh, we'll go back to never referencing anything PG-13 yep. ever again, which is no, yeah, yeah, the dice break away. <laughs> this is the forbidden podcast. Uh, thank you for being here. Alex Meehan. Oh, it's great. I feel like I've really been able to sort of let loose with this one. As someone that is so enthusiastic and passionate about so many things, every time we finish this podcast, it's just yeah. like a real... Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Be- No, it's because I've unleashed all my energy during the podcast. And by the end, I'm just, just really tired. just a desiccated husk of... Yeah, I've, I've had a massive emotion. burst of energy and now I'm just slopping off. Whenever someone says desiccated husk, I just think of coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and with that thank you Wills for being here you're very welcome go eat some desiccated coconut Mm, (laughs) unless you're allergic to nuts Um, what? if if you're allergic to nuts then you shouldn't be on episode 69 of the Dicebreaker podcast (laughs) wow alright it's time to finish I will state I never did anything like that (laughs) oh shush (laughs) Uh, I've been Matt Jarvis thank you for listening stay safe out there we will be back next Friday live at 2pm BST but until then have a good weekend and have a lovely day (laughs) bye bye Bye. (laughs) nice